and I wanted to give people an update on Ollie Osborne, the Bishop Minot golfer who's now at SMU. Uh, folks may remember him from the Barracuda Championship a couple of years ago when he qualified for that and actually did very well. Uh, he finished as the runner-up at the U.S. Amateur last year, which actually got him into the Masters, and he's done a great job down there in Augusta so far. Yeah, he bogeyed three of his first four holes yesterday, but then he really has turned things around since then. He shot a four over in the first round, and comparatively, that's great compared to the two other amateurs in the field. The other one uh, shot an eight over, and the other one shot a 10 over. So Ollie had by far the best round of any amateur. Uh, he came out really hot today. Uh, you know, his round is not completely over as we tape this, but he's had three birdies already. He's kind of on contention to potentially make the cup, but I think it is pretty obvious at this point he's going to be the low amateur, which he said was his goal coming into the tournament and it looks like he's having a ton of fun and he said that was his ultimate goal was to go out there enjoy his time not take things too tensely uh you know obviously with his dad steve on his bag just really have a great week and he's in the process of doing that and beyond that i mean he's playing some really good golf as well you're seeing some of the better golfers in the nation uh you know roy mcelroy uh sergio garcia francisco molinari uh bryson dechambeau really struggling on this course and Ali is really uh, putting up some good holes and he, he appears to be having a ton of fun. So I think it's been a great week for him so far. Hopefully he does make the cut at this point. We don't quite know yet, um, but he's in contention. And I think that's all he would have asked for, for the second uh, part of his second round. Performing like this on this kind of a stage and what he did last year at the U.S. Amateur, what do you think this kind of uh, lines out for Ali in terms of the prospects of him really being able to have a professional career and, and being able to make it on the PGA Tour? He's obviously off to a great start. It seems like he's able to bring his best in the biggest events. Uh, it was funny. I was reading a couple of stories on the three amateurs in the field heading into the tournament. And, you know, Ollie was by far the third ranked of those. Uh, you know, he's not like in the top 200 among amateur golfers in the United States, but um, he does seem to bring his best and biggest in the best moments. Uh, you mentioned the Barracuda Championship. I mean, he almost made the cut there. Uh, the U.S. Amateur, he plays great and finishes runner-up. You go to the Masters, and he's not showing any nerves. He's going out there, and he's playing well. So uh, I think this is the kind of guy who has the potential to have a PGA Tour career. Now, it's very, very difficult. There are so many golfers across the world who are trying to get one of those 150 cards or so that they give out. But, um, you know, Ollie has shown that he's got a tremendous amount of length. He hit one of the longest drives on the fifth hole yesterday, uh, which is kind of the signature hole for driving. And, uh, you know, he, his short game has been really good as well. So he hadn't been playing his best heading into this tournament. He had only one top 20 finish uh, on the college circuit, even as uh, a uh, tied for fourth at his home course over there in Dallas. But um, there is just, it seems like he has that it factor. That's something when the stakes get really high, he's able to kind of stay even keel and go out there and just play good golf. So, um, you know, I think this has to be great for his confidence to go out there and play with the best in the world and, and not be embarrassed in any way. I mean, he's uh, right in the middle of the pack uh, of the field. So I think he has to take a huge plus from this, even if he doesn't make the cut. Yeah, if you go to our website, NevadaSportsNet.com, there's a great write-up about Ollie as well as our interview that we aired earlier this week talking to him before uh, he went out to Augusta. Uh, some other news, Chris, uh, for a local Austin Corbett, the Reed High football star and then star at Nevada for the Wolfpack, became a second-round pick initially by the Cleveland Browns and then eventually traded to the L.A. Rams. Uh, he's doing great uh, right now with the Rams. In fact, he earns uh, the biggest performance bonus of anybody on the roster, more than a, a half a million dollars for Austin. Yeah, the fourth most of any NFL player this last year. He made $572,000 in performance bonuses. Now, there is a bit of a caveat because of some of the pandemic stuff. They're not going to actually get this money to 2024. So Austin's going to have to wait a little bit to get that change. But I, I think... 
Um, his turnaround in his career has been really, really good. Uh, I mean, he, this was a guy who was, you know, questionably going to fall out of the league his second year in the NFL because the Browns just didn't believe in him. They weren't giving him any playing time after using a really high draft pick on him. Uh, they shipped him out for much less value than they used on him, picking him so early in that second round. And he's found a home and an opportunity to play with the Rams. And you just see with these performance bonuses, every team was given a certain allotment to spend on their players. Uh, Austin getting the most on the Rams. That just shows you how much they thought he uh, did for their team this season. I mean, he was a solid starter, basically played every snap on offense. I think he only had only two or three penalties the entire season. So Austin has really established himself as a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. And if you go back 18 months ago, um, where he was then and where he is now, a huge, huge difference. So great to see Austin get that opportunity and he's obviously making the best of it. All right, switch gears to Nevada and the Wolfpack with basketball. Uh, they've been still involved in the transfer market and one of their big targets is tanner groves he's a power forward from eastern washington had really an, uh, in a very impressive display uh in the ncaa tournament he released a, a list on twitter i think it was like 20 deep uh and nevada was one of the names on there so nevada's got some stiff competition but certainly this is somebody they would be very interested in and uh, tell us why nevada would go after somebody like tanner groves Six foot nine, 235 pounds. I mean, all you got to do is look at the game against Kansas in the NCAA tournament. He went out there and he scored 35 points, 11 of 18 shooting, made five of 11 threes. The big sky player of the year last year. He's a veteran. He's entering his fifth year in college, so he should be grad transfer eligible, should be able to play next season. But averaged uh, almost a double-double this season. He's a very, very talented player. Uh, he also has a brother, Jacob Groves, who was on Eastern Washington last year. Uh, he also is in the transfer portal. So maybe they're not twins, but maybe a little bit Martin twins action where they get uh, a couple yep. of brothers who are really good players. Uh, Jacob Groves might be the lesser uh, known of the two players, but he had 23 points against Kansas in the NCAA tournament as well. He's more of a six foot seven guard wing player. So um, I think that would be a home run if Nevada could get these two guys. It does seem like Nevada is kind of targeting a power forward, maybe a stretch power forward. Uh, Tanner Groves doesn't shoot a ton of threes, but obviously he can hit him if he hit five in an NCAA tournament game. Uh, so I, you know, I think th these guys would be great ads for Nevada. Like you said, the competition is going to be stiff. There are a lot of power five teams that have reached out or offered looking at like Texas, Arkansas, Iowa State, Stanford, Cal, Virginia. So some really good programs. The kids are from Spokane, so maybe they want to stay on the West Coast somewhere. Uh, and Nevada lines up with them. But yeah, that's a big target. We'll see if Nevada can reel them in. But they do have one more scholarship to use. And, and I, you know, 100%, it feels like it's going to be a transfer of some sort. All right. Some other notes for you guys. Uh, Nevada soccer will wrap up their season. They'll play UNLV tonight. So for those who are watching our earlier show, they'll honor the seniors during that. And then San Diego State on Sunday for softball, big opportunity to get some wins at New Mexico, a team that's won only two games this year. They'll play the Lobos starting Saturday in a doubleheader and then wrap things up on Sunday and then a huge stretch for Nevada baseball. This could really be crucial to their season, and this is going to be one of the toughest parts of their schedule. The next five games, three at San Diego State this weekend, and then two at now number four uh, ranked Texas, the Longhorns. They'll play them Tuesday on Wednesday. So we'll give you a recap of all that action coming up on NSN Daily on Monday. Next year on our show, we'll visit with president of the Reno Aces, Eric Edelstein stops by to talk about things in greater Nevada field and the preparations of the upcoming AAA season. We'll be right back. Back here on NSN Daily with Chris Murray. I'm Alex Margulies, joined now by Eric Edelstein, president of the Reno Aces. And Eric, man, I got to tell you how excited I am to get back out to greater Nevada field. I know people are itching. We're about a month away, May 13th right now, the scheduled start date for Greater Nevada Field, the home opener. Uh, how thrilled are you just to kind of get through this? I know it's been a crazy process, but where we were a year ago, this is awesome. 
Yeah, it's just it's just great to get back to, to to doing what we do, talking to fans, talking to them about games, you know, changing the conversation from if there will be games to when there will be games, um, and and getting people comfortable with, you know, it's been 18 months since since we've had a baseball game, you know, here in Reno, and so uh, getting the community excited, it, it's been a, it's been awesome to get back to business. You guys are going to have a lot of fans, hopefully, for the season opener. That came through the uh, desk not too long ago. I know there are a lot of things that still have to be ironed out, but uh, 50% capacity right now. That's got to be great news for you guys as you move forward uh, and try and get ready for these season openers. Yeah, I think, you know, will it work out to actual 50% capacity once you factor in distancing? No, probably not. But that flexibility and and ability to uh, to operate, you know, with Greater Nevada Field and use the space the way we know how to use it, um, I'm confident it's going to be a, a safe, distanced, um, yet still full, vibrant, exciting environment. Have you been given any indication at this point from minor league baseball or from the Diamondbacks that the start dates that they've set for early May won't come to fruition? Are they still feeling pretty confident at the start of the AAA season? Yeah, at this point, um, all you know, everything is pushing forward. We have very real deadlines from the commissioner's office to to report on all kinds of. Um, you know, where, where people are entering, home team entrance, visiting team entrance, staff entrance, um, you know, the rules around what players can and can't do, where fans can and can't be. Uh, I mean, we're, we're moving 100 miles an hour um, toward getting the season started on time right now. What's the thing that most excites you about, you know, starting this season in uh, almost a month, actually? I think one day less than a month. And, uh, you know, just getting your players out there on the field and getting the fans back in the ballpark. I think it's getting back to baseball, like actually talking about players, actually looking at what's the roster going to look like, um, you know, from our team specifically, you know, the Diamondbacks have made a lot of trades um, in the last, you know, year plus starting with the 2019 trade deadline. Um, that's brought a lot of talent into the system. So guys that you didn't even really know about the last time the aces were playing, you're going to be seeing here. And, you know, the Geraldo Perdomos, the Seth Beers, the, um, you know, the, there's, a, there's a significant Dalton Varsho. There, there's a significant amount of real talent um, that, that's going to be here. That's what I think most exciting is getting back to baseball. Uh, Eric, I know you tweeted this on opening day. Uh, Reno Aces were very well represented on the Arizona Diamondbacks roster. 13 players, including four that were in the starting lineup. Cattell Marte, Christian Walker, David Peralta, Jose Rojas. I know it never gets old and because, you know, I, I'm in the same boat, you know, having worked in minor league baseball for so long and, and you, you you're around guys and then you get to see them in the major leagues. Um, how much fun is it still for you to turn on the TV on opening day and you get to see guys spent time here in Reno? Uh, opening day and every day, every every single day. It's it's awesome to flip on the D-backs game and and get to see who's in the lineup and, and which guys, you know, we've seen play here and, and root for those guys. Um, it, it never gets old. I think it, in some ways you take it for granted in normal times and, um, I'm trying to stop and I, I hope all of our fans do stop and realize how special it is, um, to see those players and know that they played in Reno and they were a part of our club. Um, I, I hope I never take that for granted again, you know, going forward. You guys do host a game. It'll be about 19 months since the last time you hosted a game at the ballpark. Uh, a lot of changes uh, since that last game. Uh, just tell everybody some of the things you guys have done and maybe how the experience will be a little bit better and different uh, when you do go back to the field uh, as a fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first and foremost for our fans, you know, is to prepare for cashless 
Um, that's something that, you know, teams across the country have done. So, you know, we're, your tickets are going to be accessible on your phone. Uh, you know, you're going to pay, you know, every place you go, you're going to be able to swipe a credit card, you know, so there's not going to be any cash. Um, limiting contact in the experience as best we can um, throughout is going to be there. But, but the fun stuff is that, you know, first of all, we've got foul pole to foul pole safety netting, the best netting in the business. 23 major league stadiums have the same netting that we're going to have 95% visibility, um, no more hot shots screaming into the stands and holding your breath to make sure everything's okay. Um, everyone's going to be protected. Um, the field surface, um, the best grass in America is laying on greater Nevada field right now. Um, it is beautiful. It is, uh, it is a field that is majorly quality in every level. Um, and the LED lights, um, you know, they fans may not think new lights are going to change their experience, um, but they will. Um, the game is seen clearer, the ball's brighter, um, the colors are more vibrant. Uh, and, you know, when we do something well, hit a home run, you're going to see those dancing, circling lights like you see um, at a lot of major league stadiums. So experience is going to be, uh, you know, very different. This is the most changes we've seen at Greater Nevada Field since the stadium was built. Eric, uh, I know we've talked to you before about the, the new hiring of Blake Lolly uh, coming in this year, and he's a former player. Um, tell people just maybe who have missed that interview before about Blake and, and what kind of energy that you think he's going to bring to the club as a manager. So uh, Blake is, um, the best way I could say it is I feel like Blake is like a younger generation Phil Nevin um, <laughs> in all the best ways that, that Phil was Phil. Um, he's a player's manager. Um, he was a player. He understands a player. In fact, he might understand it more than Phil um, as a guy who spent a lot of time at AAA struggling to get to that last, that last level. He gets the plight of the AAA player. Um, he's a competitor. Um, I think we all, you know, remember the 2014, the, the big brawl um, with Erzbel Arborena and it was Lolly <laughs> behind the plate, you know, who was a little bit of the enforcer. Um, so he's got that grit um, that he's going to stand up for his guys um, and, and he's young and he's energetic. So um, I, to me, that's, that's the most like I can, I can point to in looking at the aces history and saying that I think he's a younger generation, Phil Nevin. I'm sure you'd take that as a compliment. Phil Nevin over there with the Yankees, the third base coach. And like you said, he had a really nice career as well. Um, you know, as you guys head into the season, is there one player in particular who maybe has never worn an Aces jersey before that you're really excited to see showcase to the fans that, you know, we've got one of these top prospects in baseball who might be playing for your hometown team this year? You know, the guy I've been talking the most about, he's in the big leagues right now, is Geraldo Perdomo. And um, you know, unfortunately, with both Nick Ahmed and Kettle Marte on the Kettle Marte on the DL or IL, that might mean he's delayed in being here. But he's the guy who I'm really excited about. Um, you know, uh, tall, lanky, um, shortstop, very athletic, rocket arm, um, switch hitter. Uh, lots and lots of really exciting things from a 21 year old. Um, he's a guy I'm really excited about. And then the other one is Seth Beer. Um, I, I'd say he's a, he's a left-handed, uh, Chris, uh, a left-handed Kevin Crone. I keep saying Chris wow. Crone, but I mean, Kevin, he looks, <laughs> he looks a little like Kevin Crone. Um, I think he will, um, put some balls into the trucky, uh, from the left-hand <laughs> side of the plate. Um, he's exciting. Then Dalton Varsho, um, you know, he's probably the top prospect on paper, you know, catcher coming up who's adapted to play virtually anywhere just because his bat is so good. Um, he got some games in the big leagues last year. 
he'll likely open up here, probably playing some catcher, um, you know, and some outfield for us. So those are three guys that I think are all uh, are all guys to watch when we get started. Man, you're getting me excited, and Eric can't wait to get out at the ballpark uh, again. About a month away, May 13th is the home opener. Uh, for folks who want to try and get ticket information and stuff right now and start planning their summer when it comes to aces, uh, the website, the best place to do that? Yeah, re you know, renoaces.com, call us 334-7000. Um, right now we do have our partial and uh, uh, partial and full season tickets are on sale. That's the best way to guarantee in a limited capacity. Um, a, you know, some single game tickets will start to go on sale here uh, in the near future. All right, President Eric Edelstein joining us from Greater Nevada Field. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much, guys. All right. We'll have more of NSN Daily coming up just after this break. Welcome back to NSN Daily alongside Chris Murray, Alex Margulies. And welcoming back to the show is Kimberly Pressler, the reporter for the PBA Tour on FS1, back in Reno once again this weekend uh, for another tour event. And another big one here, Kimberly, the U.S. Open. And I, you were talking to us before we came on the air how exciting the Masters was last weekend at the National Bowling Stadium. Uh, how much fun did you have out there? We had such a great time. And I know that we talked about it. You guys said that you had a chance to tune in. So you saw how really amazing um, the matches were. And I'm really excited because a first-timer, um, Thomas Larson, who has been, I think, pro for 11 years now. He's from Denmark. He actually won it. And it was the first time he's ever made a major show. Uh, we talked about it last week that the pattern was super, super tough. And you could see that on the show because strikes were a premium. Uh, when people made mistakes, Thomas actually jumped right on them and uh, he made the most of it. And that's how he ended up winning his first ever major title, which was pretty amazing. Thomas talked a lot about how much he loves Reno. He even had a quote saying coming to Reno is big time bowling and it's such an awesome venue. I'm curious, since you travel um, uh, with these bowlers, how is Reno kind of perceived by the best bowlers in the world? Well, I think everyone really does love bowling here because at the National Bowling Stadium, there is so much for everyone to do. And this week for the U.S. Open, they're having four patterns. And because the, uh, the stadium that we're having it at is so large, we can do things like that. In a lot of other places, it's a smaller venue and you can't do something of that magnitude. So everyone loves coming here because everyone has to put their best foot forward. And I think because of the fact like the US Open gets to do four different patterns, it really brings the cream of the crop to the top because you don't have to just do well on one pattern. You have to do well on all the patterns. You know, it's interesting. I, I, as somebody that has, you know, I've bowled casually and, and it's funny because as a kid, I used to watch bowling a lot and, you know, I don't watch it as much as I used to, but now I've, I've started watching it again. But behind the scenes right now is our producer, Anthony Resnick, and he's a huge bowler and he's actually just got his, his card and, and he, He's actually like kind of seriously pursuing trying to become a semi-professional or professional bowler. And so he's been illuminating me to these patterns. Uh, and I really had no idea. I just thought like you show up and it's a normal lane, but uh, the oil patterns are a huge part of this. Explain to people that maybe don't know bowling that well about the patterns and, you know, how that impacts each week and, and every, every game. Well, first off, Anthony, good luck. I hope you do want to make it on the tour and I am in a winter circle someday. So I will look out for you. Uh, but yeah, you were talking about the fact that these patterns, they're not just house patterns. They're specifically made for the bowlers and they're made tough. 
because they're pros. Let's face it. They can, if they're on a house pattern, it'd be strike after strike after strike. So they need to make them different. And the way that we do that with, is within the oil. Um, take for the World Series, for example. We have patterns and they call them by different animal names. The shark, the chameleon, uh, the bear. And every time the oil machine goes down the lane, it actually lays that out. Some of them are flat. Some of them don't have oil in it for a certain space. And then down the, down the end of the lane, they have more oil. So it makes it much tougher for each of the athletes to kind of figure out how they're supposed to throw their ball. If they're supposed to go straight, if they're supposed to curve it, if they're supposed to loft it. And everybody is different because there's one-handed bowling, there's two-handed bowlers, there's right, there's left. There's people who can actually throw it both ways. So the sport of bowling is ever changing and you just really have to adapt to it. And the way that they make it even harder is through those oil patterns. And I know we talked about you guys watching the show uh, this last week uh, is the first time in all my years of coloring bowling that um, we had red oil on the lanes. It was, mm. was kind of rad actually. I'd never seen it like that before. Normally we have blue, but the red just, uh, just really made it pop. One of the guys figuring out that pattern was uh, Spencer Robarge, who's an eight-year-old from Missouri, made it to the semifinals. He was actually looking to become the youngest bowler ever to win a PBA Tour event, and he almost did it in a major event. Um, how cool is it, a story like that, as you cover the sport? And, and that's one of the good things about, you know, bowling, is that you can be almost any age and still compete with the best in the world if you just uh, work on your craft. Well, first of all, Chris, high five, because you totally <laughs> nailed that. Um, yeah. Listen, Spencer was really amazing. And I love the fact about bowling is that any age can do it. A two-year-old can do it all the way up to an 80 or 90-year-old, which we've seen, you know, on YouTube or on Instagram out there throwing balls. And I, I love that. This sport is adaptable for absolutely everybody. Uh, but let's talk about Spencer because he's a phenomenal athlete and he's only 18. He has something like 41 perfect games and he's only 18 years old he's the youngest amateur to ever make a major telecast so he still has that under his belt which is really really awesome to see and the other thing is is uh he's doing great in the u.s open right now he's in i believe the top 20 so he's definitely going to ad advance into day four and he, if he stays in the standing that he's at then he'll be going into uh saturdays which is the 24 round robin so uh you know he's got a chance at making another show okay so this is really cool you know everyone knows in golf at the masters they've got the green jacket but there's also a green jacket on the line at the US Open, right? Whoever wins actually gets a green jacket. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, you nailed it. This week, someone is going to earn a green jacket and there's the specific trophy and it's got this big eagle on it. Uh, and everybody wants that in their showcase. So this is the fifth and final major of the season. And then, um, no more for the rest of for the rest of the season but we do have some really big things coming out because uh next week we're actually going to do um it's called a super slam so the five athletes that have actually won one of the majors this season is going to be on fox next sunday and they're going to be going for a hundred thousand dollars every time we have really big things like this i think to myself i'm on the wrong side of <laughs> On the lanes, I should really be practicing my bowling because um, we gave away two hundred fifty thousand just a few weeks ago, and next week we're going to be a hundred thousand dollars, and of course this week a major. I can't even believe it, but it's really amazing that I get to cover it, so I get to give away that money. Do you get to put the jacket on the guy? 
I do not. Normally we don't have enough time uh, for them to put the jacket on uh, on TV. They normally do it afterwards. They get a chance, especially depending on if we have strike after strike after strike, uh, it'll go fast. So we'll have more time to interview them at the end of the show. But on a pattern at the US Open, again, it's really tough. So the chances are uh, everyone striking one right after another is going to be pretty low. The pattern for today was a high scoring pattern, but the first two days, not so much. Uh, the pins were absolutely a premium and they were really working on um, making sure that they were getting their pins down the line. So you know what? You're going to have to tune in on Sunday to see how it goes on whether or not we have enough time to put the green jacket on them or <laughs> grab that trophy because that's always a really great move moment when they walk up and grab that trophy and hoist it in the air. Okay, so you've been covering bowling for years. I imagine that means you have some time to bowl yourself. What is your, do you have an average? Like what's your, what, how good of a bowler are you? Um, so I love to bowl, but here's the thing. I love to bowl, but before I covered bowling, I covered freestyle motor, motocross. I covered the Red Bull X Fighter series, aerial freestyles in the air. I love to ride dirt bikes. Can't do any of those things. And I covered that. <laughs> Same applies for bowling. I cover bowling. I actually genuinely love to bowl. That doesn't make me very good at it. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, well, you should get, you know, you should have the guys or some of the athletes, you know, teach you. That would be a bit on the favoritism side. So I just am like, nope. I go, I bowl for fun. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I try. The best that I've ever done, and it was an absolute fluke, was 160, low 170. And I'm telling you, Still it good. was a fluke. And there might have been some beer involved, which is why <laughs> I think I was so Chris, what's your highest score ever? You ever gotten a score that high? I've, I've dabbled with the 200s. I wish I actually... Oh, wow. I remember it was a first date with somebody and I like, it was in the 200s and I'm like, this is really unrealistic to ever keep <laughs> after the first... Uh, He's like, wow, this guy's a Yeah, the first 10, because you make me bowl again, I'm going to throw like an 83. <laughs> like, oh, this guy. But it was interesting watching how many of these bowlers use two hands. Like, I didn't even know that was really a thing. And what, what is the thought process behind that? You just maybe get a more accurate, consistent throw every time? Um, no, not necessarily, uh, because we have a lot of single-handed bowlers do really well. Uh, Francois Louis uh, is actually going for his, I think, fourth U.S. Open, and he is one-handed. And then there's Jason Belmonte, who's two-hander. Our number one seed from last week, Jesper Svensson, who's doing really well this week as well, is two-handed. Uh, there is a lot of power behind doing it two-handed. I think the thing is, is with with two-handed is that one when they started young it was just much easier for them and this is the story that i'm getting through a lot of them is it was just much easier for them to throw the ball down the lane using two hands and then it just never changed out of that uh i think depending on whether you're right-handed left-handed or you do two hands you really have to do what is best for you on how you find the pockets so it all changes. Remember how we were talking earlier about our dogs maybe barking? <laughs> I'm so sorry. That wasn't too bad. Chris's dog got, got in the shot. He's a big boy, so he'd, he'd make a lot more noise than that. We could, we, we'll be all right. All right, before we let you go, I know we talked to you last weekend about just how much you enjoy coming to Reno and like Tahoe. So you got to give us a quick rundown of what you were able to do and, and uh, what you were able to do in your spare time. 
Well, I went to one of the restaurants you recommended. I went to the Lone Eagle Grill and I absolutely loved it. It was delicious on top of the fact that the view was phenomenal. So I went out back, I sat on those chairs that they have at the beach and I just looked over the lake and the sunset was coming out and I was like, this is perfect. This is, could not start <laughs> off my trip to Reno any better. Uh, it got really crazy with uh, athlete interviews and all the competition going on after that. So I didn't get to go to any of the other ones, but I'm going to hit up the sushi place that you talked about last Good. week. I'm going to do that uh, Friday night with one of my Very girls good. coming into town and um, I have myself a little sake. So of course, I'm going nice. to have a night. I love it. I love it. Well, we, uh, we enjoy having you on the show again, and you can catch the broadcast this weekend. It's going to be Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. You can watch that on FS1. And Kimberly, of course, a big part of that broadcast. Thanks so much for coming on the show again. Thank you guys so much for having me, and I look forward to coming back to Reno, hopefully again in the next season. All right. We'll have more of NSN Daily coming up just after a quick break. The sixth and final week of spring football is almost here in northern Nevada. Typically playoffs last a few weeks, but with this year's modified schedule, we're playing bowl games this week. So our game of the week features the number one seed from the Sierra League, the Damani Ranch Mustangs, and the number one seed from the High Desert League, the Spanish Springs Cougars. Now Spanish Springs has won their last three in a row, including a close game against Reed, which put the Cougars at the top of the standings. Meanwhile, Damani Ranch is undefeated and coming off a big win against Bishop Minogue, a victory that locked up the number one seed for the Mustangs. We talked about um, in 2016 and, and after winning that one, um, you know, I talked to them about winning championships that you can get to a championship, and, um, but you still have to win that championship and you still have to play. And sometimes when you win one, you assume that that's going to continue to happen. And uh, when you come up short, it's, it's, it makes it that much more tough. So, um, you know, by them having another opportunity, especially this group who a lot of them played as sophomores, so they've been in the last two and lost the last two. Um, I think that's a little more chip on their shoulder to say, okay, you know, let's finish that. It's a big game. It's, it's, you know, the two top teams playing against each other. So getting to that point is, is big. It's been one of our goals um, the last few years, and we fell short a couple times. And, um, you know, pulling that one off on Friday night the way we did, it um, creates some momentum, I think, and, and some realization that, hey, we can, we can do this and, and we can compete really well against the good Damani Ranch team on Saturday. After the loss against McQueen, we all just flipped. The, we all just flipped the switch. We were like, we need to go. It's a. If we lose one more game, we're not going to be able to play in this uh, regional championship game. And so, we came to practice hungry. We came to the games hungry, and we just wanted to win. And, and then now we're undefeated, or since we played McQueen, and we're ready to go. So both teams will have some momentum on their side as they head into Saturday's matchup. Kickoff is set for noon at Bishop Minogue High School, and you can watch the action live on Nevada Sportsnet. Reporting at Demonte Ranch High School. I'm Shannon Kelly. And, you know, some unfortunate news, Chris. Uh, we've been talking all week about the finale of the high school football season and getting really excited uh, for a lot of these games. Uh, first off, we do have uh, some news report that, you know, came in this morning. So those of you watching our show at 4 or even later at 10 o'clock, uh, this is old news, but the Douglas and McQueen game canceled for Friday. And also some uncertainty right now over whether the game on Saturday at noon between Damani Ranch and Spanish Springs will be played as of the taping right now, it looks like it is not going to happen, but you know, you can check our website for more details. Chris, you can kind of give us the scoop on that. 
Yeah, they're sorting through some things as well. We're not sure on how many positive tests there's been or whether there have been positive tests, but they're certainly not like uh, fully cleared to play the game tomorrow. We'll put it that way. Uh, the McQueen-Douglas situation, uh, there was a positive with the Lancers, and usually it's been one positive, and that game has just been canceled. Obviously, for a regional championship game, they'll try and maybe sort through some things and make sure that they're having healthy players out there. But it, it's plagued the majority of the last couple of weeks. I mean, we've seen a number of games canceled. We've seen a number of games have to be rescheduled to different dates or different opponents. So um, it's the unfortunate part of, of getting to this point in the season is, uh, you know, we had Coach Dupree from Damani Ranch on earlier this week, and he was saying that his team hadn't had a positive the entire season, and he felt very fortunate about that. And now uh, we're coming down to this final game, and, you know, you're about 24 hours away as we tape this. And it's still uncertain about whether the game will be played because of COVID issues. So um, hopefully everything gets cleared out and they are able to play tomorrow at noon. But at this point, as we tape this, it is kind of uncertain and it's unfortunate that it's gotten to that point. And we do know that uh, Douglas McQueen game was canceled because of COVID related issues. And we were told that that game is not going to be made up. So unfortunately, uh, that will end things for both of those programs. You know, we knew this was possible, right? We knew this was uh, something that these schools are going to have to deal with. There were quite a few cancellations that happened throughout the regular season. And so I guess it can't be a huge surprise. But I know, again, really disappointing for a lot of these young kids that have, have you know, really kind of worked so hard to get back on the football field. I'm glad we were able to give them a truncated season at the very least. But I know this is, uh, you know, not how people want to end things kind of on this note. Oh, I hope if the game isn't able to be played Saturday that the NIA has enough flexibility to say, okay, let's push it back and play this, the Saturday after. Uh, sure. It's a meaningful game. I mean, whether they're calling it the regional championship or not, that's what we're calling it. That's what it mm -hmm. is. It's the best team in the Sierra, the best team in the high desert. The NIA has been very strong in that they want to keep their six-week seasons and they don't want to push anything into the next week, uh, the next season. But I think in this specific case, let's say that there is an issue. Uh, and there's a couple of positive tests. Why not just push everything back a week and make sure that that game is played? Um, so hopefully that this game is not straight up canceled at any point. Uh, you know, I, it would just be very unfortunate uh, to go all the way through this season and have this big game, this bowl regional championship game and not be able to play it. So um, if, if there are some issues and it's not able to be played tomorrow, I hope that the NIA is flexible enough to try and come up with a solution to make sure that the game is played at some point in the future. All right, we'll have more of our show coming up. Uh, Shannon Kelly had a chance to get out, or excuse me, it was Kirsten. Kirsten Moran had a chance to go out and catch up with Drew Scolari from the Bishop Minogue football team. He is a uh, recruit uh, for the Nevada football team and uh, has a great backstory. We'll give you an update on him as Bishop Minogue wraps up their season tonight. All right, Chris, I uh, mentioned in the last segment about high school football, but we are expecting Bishop Minogue, at least at the typing, taping of this game, uh, to play tonight and finish out their season. And they're led by quarterback Drew Scolari, who's had a great high school career. He's set to go join the Nevada Wolfpack next season. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. But first, here's the report that Kirsten Moran had out at practice this week. Bishop Minogue's quarterback Drew Scaleri is taking the field for the last time for the Miners. It, it means the world to just be able to play the senior season with this team and because you know we didn't know if we were going to get one for the longest time and just being able to come out here and play with the guys every day has been super special and I'm super thankful for it and all the memories we've made these past four years I'll remember forever and I'm so thankful for Coach Howard and the rest of the coaching staff and my whole team. The six foot two quarterback has carved out a name for himself as the senior has led Minogue to back to back Northern 4A regional championships, including an appearance in the in-state game in 2018. 
Looking back, Scaleri is thankful to have played under head coach Ernie Howren and will take the lessons he's learned at the high school level and use them throughout life. You know, he always says something, manage the play, and I think that that applies not only to football, but also in life. When things are going wrong, you just got to manage the situation and handle things as they're thrown at you because life, like we've seen in this past year especially, doesn't always go the way we plan it, and I think that's something super important that he's taught me. Howren says he's going to miss coaching Scaleri, but has enjoyed every minute of it. You know, it's been an honor uh, just because uh, knowing the family as long as I have, uh, and, and it goes back, I mean, when I was just an assistant, uh, I was going up to Nevada and Coach Alt back when he was the head coach, he would invite coaches up there and I was fortunate enough to get in there and meet with him a couple times. And, and so I, I've respected and known Coach Alt for a long time and, and thought the world of him. And, and then to be able to coach his grandson, uh, that's pretty special. And, uh, and then to have a kid like Drew, there's just not a better human being out there. And it's because of Amy and Brett, the way they've brought their, their boys up. They've done a great job with these kids. Scaleri has thrown for more than 5,000 yards and has 62 touchdown passes in his 31 career games with the Miners. The senior is the grandson of legendary Nevada head coach Chris Olt and will now embark on his very own journey with the Wolfpack. I'm just looking forward to getting up there with the coaches and starting to do everything I can. Whatever they ask of me, I'm willing to do, and I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure that I have a, a spot and that they know that they can trust me when they put me in there. So I'm just looking forward to giving everything I have to that program, and I couldn't be more thankful to them for taking a chance on me and for believing in me. The Minogue senior is now headed off to Nevada. His advice to the quarterback following in his footsteps? And I just tell him to make the most of it because it goes by fast, and just to trust Coach Howard and the coaching staff because they're going to put you in a position to succeed, and just always give it your all and stuff study the scouting reports, study the film. That's where most of the hard work comes as a quarterback is just studying the film and understanding what the opposing defense is going to do to you on Friday night and just telling them to know that stuff throughout the week because it will make their job easier under the lights. Reporting for Nevada Sportsnet, I'm Kirsten Moran. As I said, Chris, it's been great to follow uh, his kind of rise in the last couple of seasons and now going to play for Jay Norvell in the Wolfpack next season. Uh, how excited are you to see what he can do to transition to the college game and, and he's obviously going to have uh, a lot of competition there but Nevada recruited him for a reason oh absolutely I mean he's definitely worth an FBS scholarship and I think playing for Nevada means more to him than anybody on that program given the history uh, as you mentioned there's going to be competition I mean Carson Strong will still have eligibility left we'll see if he plays well enough to maybe jump to the next level but uh, Nevada bringing in Clay Millen who's one of the highest rated recruits in school history a four-star quarterback um, you know you have Nate Cox you have Jake Barlage but I think the thing about Drew which you mentioned uh, in that piece is just he he's willing to do whatever it takes for Nevada to win. And I don't think that's lip service. I don't think he's just saying that because that's the right thing to say. I mean, you talk to anybody around Drew Scolari from his coaches to his teachers, um, they just absolutely love the man, the guy, uh, and that uh, he's going to be a huge benefit to Nevada's quarterback room just because of the kind of person he is and the kind of humility he has and just the fact that he wants everybody around him to be better. Now, will he get on the field and become a superstar? Uh, time will tell. I mean, he has the goods. I mean, he's six foot one, six foot two. He's a very athletic quarterback. His arm strength's getting better mechanically. He's very sound, obviously, working with Coach Alt all those years has helped him in that regard. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about his future. But like you said, there's a lot of competition, and the quarterback is unlike any other position. There's one guy on the field uh, at that quarterback position. So he'll make that push, and we'll see if he can beat out some of these other talented quarterbacks Nevada's certainly going to bring into their program. All right, you can find more about that on our website, nevadasportsnet.com. Lots of great high school coverage this week from Shannon and Kirsten. And as well, again, we'll have updates for you on what's going on uh, with some of the other games around town.
We'll be right back to wrap up NSN Daily and update on Ollie Osborne from the Masters on the other side. This segment is sponsored by Bradley, Drendel, and Janae. Wrapping things up here on NSN Daily, we talked about Reno's Ollie Osborne, the Bishop and Ograd, playing at the Masters. Uh, Chris, uh, he was doing great. Uh, we were talking about earlier in our show, but it uh, looks like he's dropped a little bit. Doesn't look like he's going to make the cut. Not going to make the cut, but still a very good week for Ollie. A uh, minus four, or a plus four again on Friday at a plus four. Uh, on Thursday as well. So he's eight over for the tournament. The cut right now is somewhere around three over. He is going to be the highest amateur, which was obviously his number one goal, along with a lot, having a lot of fun. So um, an experience he's always going to remember and hopefully not his only experience as the Masters as he tries to build the pro career moving forward. All right. So I asked you this earlier, kind of in a roundabout way, but we're going to have our better no bet brought to you by Bradley Trendle and Janae. Does Ollie Osborne put together a professional career on the PGA tour. Does he get to play in another uh, major? Maybe it's a good question. Well, I'll definitely bet on the major because he's playing in the U S open uh, later right. year in June. That's true, yeah. Lines. Uh, so that's, <laughs> Uh, as runner-up to the U.S. Am, he got qualified for that as well, so that'll be cool. But I'm going to bet on him having a PGA Tour career. I mean, he's a very talented kid. He's been playing since he was super little. He grew up on Montrose, so he got all that uh, great uh, play in his younger days. And um, I just think he has the right mentality and the right mindset, and he's coming from the right program. I mean, SMU is a powerhouse program uh, that puts a ton of players up to the pro rank. So uh, I, I think Ollie is going to have a nice long pro career as a golfer. It is exceptionally difficult, though. I mean, you're not just going against the best people in the United States. This is such a global sport that you have to beat the best people in the world to get one of those PGA Tour cards. And I think he's going to do it. Maybe I'm a little bit too optimistic, but I believe in Ollie. And I think uh, at some point he is going to be a PGA Tour player uh, in a full time basis. Yeah, I mean, we talked to Sam Harnett from Nevada's golf team earlier this week who played with his brother Stevie, and he said he's not surprised one bit to see him in this position. Just the way that uh, Ollie goes about his business and just the way he trains and, and his mentality and just the way he treats people, uh, he was really excited to kind of share that. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bet on it too. I think Ollie's going get to get a chance, and we look forward to continuing to cover his career. Coming up on Monday, we'll hear from Ricardo Stewart, who has been elevated now to a secondary position on Jay Norvell's staff. Lots of great content coming up from Nevada football and other sports as well as NSN Daily continues on Monday. For Anthony Resnick and Jenna Holland behind the scenes, Chris Murray, I'm Alex Margulies. Have a great weekend.